you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in Coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. everybody, it's Wednesday, June 14th, 2023. Welcome to the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast, where we're kind of split on the new Browns logo. We're also trying to figure out why the Browns are orange. Anyway, it's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant, joined by Michael F. Florio. We're in studio. We got Josh and Susie over there. Give yourself a round of applause, please. Yay. Always appreciate your help. And, um... Florida, we're going to talk some zero RB targets. We're going to talk some some late round league winners in this show. But I have to take your pulse and the pulse of Bill's Mafia because Stefan Diggs didn't show up to mandatory minicamp, or at least didn't show up to practice. Uh, Sean McDermott said that he was concerned. There was a lot of chatter on Twitter. Uh, how I mean, look? It's it's mid June, but how is Bill's Mafia feeling right now? 
Well, everyone can let out a big sigh of relief because Stefan Diggs was at practice in pads today. Right. Uh, he was there. And this is a weird situation because every player was on Diggs' side. The agent was like, no, he was in the building up until practice started. <laughs> and then even reporters were like, we have no idea why Sean McVay said what he said. So maybe we get <laughs> clarification today, but he's there and practicing. All right. So... I our short regional nightmare has been averted because uh, Stefan Diggs is practicing <laughs> he, now. Look, he's just like Jokic, man. They hate work. Hey, look, <laughs> we were talking about this before the show, right? Nikola Jokic, has, he is a hero for introverts everywhere, right? Because yep. he went out, did his job at a historic level, right? I mean, was amazing all throughout the playoffs, through the NBA Finals. They asked him afterwards about the parade. He was kind of like, you just hear the sighs, the <sighs> you know, it just kind of was like, I guess if I have to be there, then I'll be there. One of my favorite things I saw on TikTok, it was like Kevin Garnett's reaction when he won, when he screams anything possible <laughs> right. versus Jokic immediately after he wins, when he's just like, it's good. It's good. <laughs> like, I've never seen a player less excited to win a championship, and it is hysterically. hysterically. I mean, he was looking for the exit almost immediately. <laughs> like, I don't know if you saw the video of him, like, half-heartedly shaking the bottle yes. of champagne. <laughs> it, was just, it was just very much like a, a if I'm, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a video version of I'm just here so I don't get fined sort of thing, right? Like, Marshawn Lynch would be proud. Of, uh, of Nikola Jokic. And, and, like, there's, like, iconic, like, the Jordan collapsing with the trophy mm -hmm. in the locker room. Like, he was so exhausted. Like, that... Jokic didn't wasn't even like I'm so he was like the job's done I can go back and race my horses now <laughs> like that's all he cared like that's his passion it was really like this was getting in the way of things he uh, he really wants to do right it, it's it's me cleaning the kitchen so I can go back and like you know watch a trashy movie or something it, when you think about it like winning a championship takes away like two months of his off season yeah so I understand it like he's he's not getting paid extra for it either <laughs> right. it's just taking away his, his horse racing time well nonetheless congratulations to Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets and Nuggets fans for uh for celebrating the franchise's first ever championship I guess if we're celebrating first championships we should give a shout out to the Vegas Golden Knights as yes. well um I know our pal and uh, former Fantasy Live producer Todd Mossberg is a big Golden Knights fan, so shout out to him uh, and everybody in hopefully Vegas. Hopefully he makes it to the parade. It's it's close. It's close, right? I mean, Vegas is basically a suburb of L.A., so hopefully it's a, you, a quick trip. Do you think a championship parade will impact Vegas at all, or is it just like another thing going on there? It's probably just another yeah, thing Yeah, that's what I was on. thinking. <laughs> you know, <laughs> whatever. They'll figure it out. They'll probably go down the strip, uh, you know, but it'll just be like, yeah, whatever. It's, you know, Thursday or whatever <laughs> day they decide to do the parade. Who knows? Uh, as I mentioned, we will talk some zero RB targets. We'll talk some uh, late round league winners. Also, Florio's Film Festival this week, From Dusk Till Dawn, the Robert Rodriguez sort of horror comedy action mashup classic from 1996. Florio already said he has thoughts. Uh, <laughs> we will dive into that at the end of the show. But want to start with some news that sort of dovetails into our running back conversation because... If you have been paying attention to the offseason news, there seems to be a trend of high-level running backs that are trying to, I guess, take a stand on behalf of their running back brethren, right? And just, you know, some recent headlines. Saquon Barkley says he doesn't rule out sitting out the 2023 season as he tries to get uh, a better contract, does not sign the franchise tag. Dalvin Cook, who is a free agent officially now, says he is looking for, quote, a significant contract 
in free agency. I know he was on NFL, or not, not, uh, not NFL Network. He was on the Rich Eisen show with Tom Pelissero recently. Said he's looking for a team that values Dalvin Cook, uh, both you know financially and in terms of what they do in their offensive scheme as well. And then Josh Jacobs sent out a tweet uh, talking about his contract dispute as well. Uh, he is not happy with his situation. His tweet was, sometimes it's not about you. We got to do it for the ones after us. So these high-level running backs, three guys who have performed at a high level in recent years, all are sort of pushing back against the market for running backs, which you know we've talked about before, is not great right now. I guess the first question is, you know, is this a hype train or a smokescreen? Are these guys willing to sort of put their money where their mouths are, or will we get to August and suddenly these guys are in camp and getting ready for the season? I could see this being a situation where they don't show up to camp or or they drag it out, let's say. I would be shocked if any of them sit out the actual season because – to get off of the franchise tag, they need to play at least six games, which to me, the more likely scenario, I've dubbed this the A.J. Green route, is you just, you're hurt all year. Right. Like, A.J. Green, remember, twisted his ankle, and every week that season was like, he's going to come back this week. And then A.J. Green was like, nah, you know, it's still a little sore. And he did that <laughs> until the end of the year, got to accrue the full season, got to become a free agent. Um that is my fear. Like, if, will these guys play six games and then have a phantom injury or just shut it down or whatever? But I think we all still need to remember as much as we're getting excited for the season and the schedule release and the draft and everything is now behind us. We're still like 80. I think it's like 85, 86 days Something away like that, from yeah. from kickoff. That's so much time, and like there, a lot can happen between now and then. Yeah, we're we're still about three months away from the start of the season. Look. Right now, I think this is a lot of posturing from these guys. And I, I, I've i really – it's become my personal policy to kind of stay out of this whole running back, you know, market value contract conversation. I went down that road. Everybody has sort of dug in on their sides, and there's no convincing anybody. Huh, weird that the internet is like that. That never <laughs> happens anywhere else on the internet. Um, I think right now this is sort of posturing from some guys. Like, I don't truly believe – Saquon Barkley will really sit out the 2023 season. I don't really believe that Josh Jacobs is prepared to miss any actual time during the year. I think Dalvin Cook wants to play. And I think while he wants a big contract, I think you know he will eventually sort of take what the best offer is, even if it's not what he deems to be the best possible offer. So I think right now it's a lot of posturing. I, as a person who is very much in favor of labor, uh, especially running backs who I think deserve a lot more, who take a punishing, you know, who, who do a punishing job. Um, I, I, I support them. I applaud them in their efforts, even if I don't necessarily think ultimately they are going to be successful. So I think right now it's an interesting conversation. I don't know that that it's really going to drag on into September. But in the meantime, I guess having said all of that, uh, should we be wary about drafting these guys? Does it change when you're doing drafts or mocks or anything like that where you're where you're selecting them? In middle of June, not too much. If this is still an issue in the middle of July and certainly in the middle of August, then I think I need to reassess. And I, I think you can use it as a tiebreaker. Like Saquon and Jonathan Taylor, to me, are, are super close in my rankings. So right now, I'll take Jonathan Taylor over Saquon. That's the tiebreaker. Say, like I really like Josh Jacobs, but he's... I will say the market is is correcting them because Saquon's ADP has fallen now behind Taylor and even Nick Chubb. 
Uh, Josh Jacobs going behind Tony Pollard, Derek Henry, and Roger Stevenson. He was going ahead of all of these guys like a month ago. But I'm like you, Marcus. I, I am on the side of, of – I don't really get too involved in this, but I do think the running backs are underpaid. Like, you cannot tell me with a straight face that Saquon Barkley is not the most important offensive player to the New York Giants. Right. And Saquon Barkley is making $4 million more a year than Tyrod Taylor is. Well, like that, that, that seems like an issue. Um, I, I, my solution I think should be instead of giving running backs long-term deals, you just give them super loaded, like one year deals. Mm -hmm. Like if you told Saquon, Hey, we're going to give you 14 million this year or something like that. I'm sure he'd be considering that and, and want to sign into it. But yeah, these running backs are certainly devalued for what they mean to their offense. They, they are. Uh, you know, I, I think it's funny that in the, on the one hand, uh, you know, certainly in fantasy football, and even you know when it comes to the draft, we talk about how talented these guys are and how they can be difference makers, right? Everybody was excited about Bijan Robinson. Everybody loves Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler. And then when it comes time for these guys to get a new contract, um, you know, you you just hear them sort of denigrated throughout social media and, and on television and what have you. It'll happen to Bijan in five. It'll years. happen to Bijan. It'll absolutely happen to Bijan. If he, even if he turns out to be the game-changing generational running back that we think he is, when he comes time for a new contract, it'll be you don't pay running backs, even a guy like Bijan Robinson. Um, it has sparked an interesting conversation. It has brought up the idea of maybe having rookie free agency because the draft is un-American. Um, <laughs> did I say that out loud? I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> but you know the idea of having free agency for incoming players that way you can sort of choose the length of your contract. And if you are a running back, maybe you just sign a two- or three-year deal and still have some of your prime left, maybe sign a big second contract. Could, could you imagine on your one point if other jobs worked the way that being oh, an NFL player? Like if you, all time. if you were like an electrician and you're like, oh, you got drafted, you have to move across the country. to I, like, like how would that? I, I say all the time, if you were, imagine you are the... Uh, the, the top law school student, right, in the country. You were the number one student in law school, and suddenly you are sent to some public defender's office, you know, in rural America, right? And look, I, let me try. It's not bad to be a public defender. It's not bad to, be, to live in rural America. But the point being, you don't get your choice. Yeah. Maybe that's not your preference. Maybe your preference is something else, but you are being dictated to uh, where to go. Uh, you know, that's that's the whole point about that. So don't come after me. I, 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 <laughs> I'm our, sure someone will. Our old pal Alex Gelhar, we love him. He's in Wisconsin. He's a public defender. I'm happy for him. I'm proud of him. This is not the shot at folks who do that job or a shot at folks who live in rural America. That's all. Uh, I'm going to take my foot out of my mouth and uh, we're going to talk about <laughs> zero RB now. Uh, so because we're talking about running backs and because people are starting to shift their rankings when it comes to maybe some of these other guys we're also looking at who are the guys behind the guys or maybe the guys that you're taking if you are not going to take a lot of running backs early so uh, i decided to you know we'll set it up from anywhere from round six through ten and we'll go each run round by round and talk about the guys that we really like if you are not going to take running backs early so let's start round six if you are headed down the zero rb route and you're looking at round six who's a guy you might be looking at Miles Sanders is a running back that I like a lot this season, and I have him ranked at RB16, and I might pull him up a little bit higher, but in early ADP, he's going as the RB19. Uh, you get him in the early part of the sixth round, but like he's going after J.K. Dobbins. I'd rather have Sanders. Mixon, I'd rather have Sanders. Kenneth Walker, 
I'm on the side of Sanders, and and Aaron Jones is one that I am debating right now. I just think that what we saw to Miles Sanders last year, I understand uh, it's going to be hard to duplicate that not being in the Phillies offense and not having uh, Jalen Hurts alongside of him that defenses have to worry about. But I think that the Panthers are going to want to run the ball a lot to ease Bryce Young in. You still have a quarterback there who can run and is a mobile threat, which helps. Plus... Last year, Miles Sanders had a career low in targets and catches, and it just wasn't something they really liked using him at. But after the money he got paid, I think that the Panthers are going to once again involve him in the passing game like he had been for a couple of years prior to last. And I I, I know you're getting him a borderline RB20 right now, but I think he has the upside to finish as an RB1 if things break right. Uh, I think he does. Um, You know, I think for him... Volume is going to be key in that offense uh, because I don't think that the the Panthers are going to be great. Volume is going to be key, and I would love to see him more involved in the passing game. I think that's going to have a big impact on how how productive he is. And when you look across the roster and you look at the pass catchers there in Carolina, I don't see why he can't push to earn himself some targets in this offense. I mean, you know, I, I saw someone put out a poll about – you know, which which Panthers receiver would you want? You know, whether you want Jonathan Mingo or Adam Thielen, uh, you know, or DJ Chark, what have you. And none of those guys are going early. It's all sort of a toss up. There's no real alpha, I think, amongst that group. So I think there's a chance for, for Miles Sanders to to earn some targets. I like Damian Pierce. Um, you know, I've seen some people say that maybe he's being overvalued. Maybe he's being overdrafted right now. But I think if you look at what he did last year um he was the rb1 in that offense i know they ran some other guys through there tried to get some other guys touches and opportunities but it was in essence damian pierce's backfield last year he touched the ball on about half of the snaps he played um i was looking at his 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 opportunity percentage basically the the rushing attempts plus the targets he had uh he had an opportunity on about 53 percent of his snaps and weeks three through 14, he, he had a slow start. Then weeks three through 14, until he got hurt, he was the RB15. Um, throw in the fact that they, they've got a new offense coming, kind of going to that, that old Kyle Shanahan, Gary Kubiak kind of running style. I know that Pierce himself has said uh, he's excited about it. He thinks it's running, running back friendly. That's a plus. Uh, I don't know if you saw, he said he's also studying Christian McCaffrey, which I think is nice. I don't know if that necessarily means he's going to get more targets, but I, I can be hopeful about that. That's the generic, I want to be a better pass catching running mm-hmm. back, so I'm just going to watch tape of Christian McCaffrey. I'm going to watch Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> uh, you know, hey, hopefully that does translate into something. Maybe he gets some more targets. Uh, he was not targeted a lot last year, but maybe there's a chance for him to get some more opportunities in that, in that area. I would say this. Volume is on his side. The fact that the Texans may not be particularly great uh, and he doesn't necessarily catch a ton of passes, probably working against him, but I just think he's going to get the ball a lot this year in Houston. Um, round seven, who you got? Uh, this one is shocking kind of to say, but Dalvin Cook. <laughs> right? Like Dalvin Cook for – since Dalvin Cook has entered the league, has been off the board in round two, it yeah. feels like, in every single fantasy draft, if not round one. At one point, he was going as a top three fantasy pick. And I understand that Dalvin Cook is not what he used to be. 
And it's funny. I put that on Twitter and I get pushback from both sides. Like Dalvin Cook supporters are like, what do you mean he's not what he used to be? Last year he rushed for, he topped 1,400 yards and double digit touchdowns. And then you you make the case that, yeah, he's still a good player. And you get the the pushback from the other people that's like, he's propped up by insane volume and he can't do it. And I, I, I fall very much so in the middle. I don't <laughs> think Dalvin Cook is what he used to be in the sense that he has the potential to be the RB1 or a top five running back. But I don't think that he should be going in the seventh round outside of the like he's like the RB twenty three I believe right now and his ADP just continues oh no he's now fallen to the RB twenty four and it just continues to fall every day I feel like and to me I'm like okay I'll take the buying opportunity here because when you look at his metrics from last year yeah he he had a slightly fewer percentage of his runs two percent fewer go for ten plus yards. Uh, 1% fewer of his runs reached 15 plus miles per hour, but he averaged more yards after contact last year. He still has that burst and people are like, well, if you take away his 80 yard touchdown run and I'm like, that is the whole reason you want Dalvin cook because he can break out and get you that 80 yard touchdown run. And that's 15 fantasy points right there. Whereas Alexander Madison, you have to add up his like three longest career runs to get to 80 yards. So there's a big difference in a running back that is explosive like that. And Cook still has maybe not what he did when he entered the league, but he still has that second gear where if he gets into space, he could score a breakout touchdown. So you keep giving me a discount on him. I will keep gobbling up Dalvin Cook. I, I always love the if you take away the blank. I know Adam Rank likes to poke fun at it. You know, if you take away all the touchdown passes that Patrick <laughs> Mahomes throws, he doesn't throw any touchdowns. It's like <laughs> it happened, man. Like, let's not cherry pick what does and doesn't happen. Let's take this whole thing a, as a whole. Um, it, it's a very flawed, not only just because like it did happen, but like Dalvin Cook has shown us time and time again, he can have these long touchdowns. So, yeah, you take away his best ability. Yeah, he's not going to be a great running back. I think it's okay to say what you said, right? That like he's not as good as he once was, but he's still a talented player. I think that's okay. I just know that doesn't make for great social media conversation, right? Like nobody hot takes. Nobody wants nuanced, reasoned, like, hey man, like this guy's still good, maybe not super great like he was, but you know, like nobody wants to have that. You know, it's just not fun, I guess. There's not there's no engagement in that. Uh, but I do like Dalvin Cook, and I'm curious to see when he signs with someone, depending on where it is, what that does to his ADP. Because I think you talk about him outside the top 20 running backs right now. That's, I think, strictly because of uncertainty. Um, you know, I think if he, gets, he lands in a good spot, I think you'll see that, that number come up quite a bit. Did you see the bit. first picture he posted after he got cut? No. It was him celebrating in Hard Rock in Miami. <laughs> uh, I'm hoping that's what happens. I mean, I guess we could read into it. Also, we could just say that you know, he's from... Miami. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like, it was just a picture of him in some place at home. Who knows? Uh, I like Cam Akers at this point in drafts. Um, and I get it. Uh, I think it was our pal Neil Dutton who coined that, that Cam Akers and Sean McVay were the Ross and Rachel of the NFL last year because they were like <laughs> on again, off again, like seemed like it was working. Then all of a sudden it was terrible, back and forth, back and forth. But I think by the end of the year, Sean McVay and the Rams realized that Cam Akers was their best running back, completely took over that backfield by the end of the season. Uh, from weeks 13 through 18, played 73% of the snaps. Three quarters of the snaps uh, is what he was playing. And they even tried, even as they were phasing out Daryl Henderson, I remember there was a couple weeks they tried Kyron Williams in there, and Akers was getting fewer snaps than Williams, but still outperforming him in those couple of weeks. So I think you look this year, and 
again, there's really nobody behind him except Kyron Williams, who gets some of the snaps. But I think volume is going to win the day. I think the Rams, they're going to throw the ball more. I think, you know, you have a healthy Cooper Cup. You are going to. But I think you're also going to have to try to run the ball because your offensive line is not what it once was. Um, you've got an aging quarterback in Matthew Stafford. I, I just think you have to run the football. And I, I think that you can have Cam Akers kind of pick up from where he left off last year. I don't think there's any doubt that he's talented. It was just he and, and Sean McVay weren't getting along. And that was kind of the yeah. reason he was on the bench. So if they figured out how to patch things up, they went and, you know, had a couple of, of beers together and some burgers. Maybe things are cool now. And we see a lot more Cam Akers this year. I saw on fantasy Twitter the other day some people arguing if James Robinson getting cut is bad for Cam Akers because they had the same injury. And I'm like, I guess that's the point we're up to in the in the offseason. But I, I'm very much so with you. Cam Akers and Kevin Durant are the poster boys for coming back from Achilles injuries. Mm -hmm. Akers got better. And, and to me, what is an encouraging sign is he got better and better as the year went on and he got further removed from that surgery. So, yeah, the first year back, it, it took him some time to get going, but that. I mean, I, I think he's already greatly exceeded the expectations after he had that injury. I'm with you. I, I If I go zero RB, Cam Akers is one that I really like because I think he's got RB1 upside, especially if he uh, can take over the passing down duties there. Yeah, if, if he can take over some of that passing work, I think that helps him a lot. And again, after Cooper Cup, it's sort of open for targets. I mean, you know, Tyler Higby will probably get some. We're, we're, you know, we're hyping up Puka Nakua right now. Yeah, I'm sure he can find some targets in there, but there's got to be some opportunity, I think, for a guy like Cam Akers to get involved in the passing game. Uh, round eight, you and I uh, agree on this one. So who are we? Who are we going with in round eight? James Conner, right? Who feels like a such a value to me right now. I understand he was he missed some time last year, but from week ten on, he averaged 19.8 fantasy points per game, uh, and he had at least 19 touches. In all five of his last games. So without Kyler Murray on the field, he was their offense. And I've been kind of vocal on this show that I'm not sure when and how much we're going to see of Kyler Murray. Because I think the Cardinals might be looking long term. But even if Kyler comes back early in the season, he is not going to run like he used to. He, torn ACL, especially those first few weeks. Um which I think means more dump offs and more probably running the ball with James Conner. So I know it could be ugly this offense I think has literally worst offense in football uh, in their <laughs> range of outcome but I still think it's going to lead to a whole lot of volume because even if they're trailing I expect a lot of dump offs to James Conner I think that's going to happen and again I think it's a situation where he is the guy in that backfield and yes they are potentially going to be bad this year but I don't see a lot of of competition for his opportunities for his touches there um he is look no one's going to confuse him with Christian McCaffrey or Austin Eckler in the passing game but he did catch 46 balls last year for 300 yards so he's not a zero when it comes to the passing game and this is a guy who at one point in his career in Pittsburgh had a 55 catch season so he can contribute in that way and again in an offense that's not going to be great I could see, especially with Colt McCoy early in the year, a lot of dump-offs coming to a guy like James Conner. So I, I think there's some some possibility here. And also, I just think that he's a good player, and because of fear of what the Arizona offense could be, we've seen him fall, and that's why he's still available uh, at this point in round eight. So I'm, I'm with you on that one. Uh, round nine, who you got? I'm going to go with Alvin Kamara, who, who – 
I mean, this feels like the first time you could get him outside of round one in a long and it's time. Round nine. Yeah, like it, it is insane how far he's fallen. And I understand this comes because of a lot of off the field stuff. And last year was like his first time not being a top ten running back. He was an RB two, but. It felt like last year everything went wrong for him. He had a career low in targets per game. He only had four uh, rushing attempts near the goal line. Did not score a touchdown in 13 of his games last year. And I understand Jamal Williams is a concern to steal those that goal line work away. But I think Derek Carr is also a lock to throw the ball more to Alvin Kamara than Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill did and Andy Dalton uh, when, when he was playing. Um, so I just think you're getting a huge discount because of the suspension. That's looming, and we have no idea how long that could be. Could be two, four, six games. I, I, the one thing I'm confident is I doubt it's going to be the full season. Right. So even if it's half the year, if I can use a uh, what are we in the ninth round here, ninth round pick on Alvin Kamara, and then you tell me for the second half of the season and the fan, particularly the fantasy playoffs, I will have him as potentially a flex. Yeah, sign me up for that all day. I have found myself drafting Kamara a lot in best ball drafts for that reason, right? If you, especially if you get yourself, I would say this, especially if I'm going uh, with kind of a modified zero RB or maybe even a hero RB, I'll load up and get a couple of really good guys early. And if I can come back and get Kamara as like a third or fourth running back in best ball drafts, I feel great about that, knowing he comes back. Let's say it's six games, comes back midway through the fantasy season, ramps up, and then gets you ready for a late season push there. I like Brian Robinson. Again, sort of like what I mentioned with Damian Pierce, not as involved in the passing game as I would like him to be, but he is a guy who last year, again, a rookie. Coming off of a horrific injury, remember he got shot before the season started, missed the first couple of weeks, missed the first, I think, three weeks of the season, still played 30% of the snaps, had a really good year on the ground, uh, and really by the end of the season had started to assert himself and become the RB1 there. Played almost uh, 45, 46% of the snaps from weeks 10 through 17, was actually 10th. I looked this up, 10th in yards after contact among running backs from weeks 10 through 17. Like I said, I'd like for him to get more targets. Uh, J.D. McKissick being there, being gone, I should say. Probably, I don't see those targets necessarily going to Robinson, at least not in a heavy way. Um, but it could mean more snaps. could mean more opportunities for him to get on the field. And I think he's going to be the guy that you see first down, second down, probably Antonio Gibson coming in there on third down. Um, but if he can get some of that goal line work, some of that short yardage work, I think there's some upside there for for Brian Robinson. I just I like the way they used him, hoping with Eric Bieniemy that offense gets better in Washington as well. And again, round nine, Robinson's there, Gibson is usually there, so I don't I don't really hate that pick either. But I, I just think Brian Robinson's being um, maybe not overlooked, but I think he's undervalued a little bit. Yeah, um, I. I, I... I like taking shots on him and Antonio Gibson because if one like they they both go so late that you just need one if they can hit and get the volume there because I I think there's a the potential for that offense to be better than people give it credit for with Eric Bieniemy there. A hundred percent, hundred percent believe that one. Uh, and then round ten, uh, you and I once again came to an agreement on round in round ten. This is a guy I've I've really fallen in love with for the, for the last few weeks. I, I was very high on him uh, after free agency when they. It's Khalil Herbert, by the way. Um, after the Bears let David Montgomery walk, but then they brought in Deontay Foreman and they drafted Roshan Johnson, and I started to sour a bit 
but his ADP fell and it just kept falling. And you get him in the 10th round now as the RB 40. And I understand that there's a crowded backfield there, but I just believe that he is the best uh, of the running backs there. He led all running backs last year in percentage of runs that went for at least 10 yards and yards after contact. And, And right behind him, we're like Tony Pollard, Nick Chubb, Damian Pierce, like the elite runners. And he was, uh, and I get it, it, limited sample sizes to get more volume. That number could come down a bit. But I, I just think I, getting him as like your RB4 at times, yeah, there'll be some dud weeks. There'll be some weeks where Justin Fields vultures the touchdown or something like that. But I think there'll be more good weeks than bad and that he is a very, very talented running back and we are getting a huge discount on him just because he shares the backfield with some other people. No, I I agree 100%. And I think last year, what you looked at was a guy who, when he was on the field, they were trying to get the ball in his hands as much as possible. Now, the snap percentage was not great. I think he played just like a quarter of the snaps. But it was also because I think the Bears had really committed to getting David Montgomery as many snaps and touches as they possibly could. I don't see that kind of commitment for Deontay Foreman. I think Rashawn Johnson is a nice piece. Uh, as a guy who's a good college running back. He was just stuck behind a dude named Bijan at Texas. Um, but I still think Khalil Herbert will see him get more snaps this year. I think he's going to get the first crack at a lot of opportunities in this offense. Um, I think you're right that you know Justin Fields is going to frustrate you if you're trying to, to play Khalil Herbert because he's going to take some of those runs, try to take some of those touchdowns as well. But I still think there's a path for Herbert to go out and be super productive. And again, the ADP, you're talking 10th round, it's fairly minimal risk for a guy that could have a lot of upside, does have that pass catching upside as well. Uh, And if he gets more snaps and more touches, I think the production goes up for him uh, as well. Do you think Deontay Foreman and Roshan Johnson combined top 200 carries? Combined? No, actually, I don't. I was, I was thinking about that. I'm like, no, not I really. don't either. And that's what David Montgomery had last year. So yeah. that means even with those two, there could still be volume up for grabs. Right. And I, you know, I've seen stories that the Bears are are hoping that Justin Fields gets a little more selective with his running. Not that they're going to take it away from him. Mostly that he just becomes a little bit more wise about when he chooses to run it. So maybe that means occasionally some dump offs uh, to guys like Khalil Herbert out of the backfield. Who knows? Anyway, those are some of our zero RB targets. Obviously, there are plenty more out there. Maybe we can dive back into this uh, a little bit later on in the summer. But we're going to take a break, come back, talk some late round league winners looking rounds 11 through 15. Then we're going to talk some vampires a little bit later on as we get to (laughs) Florio's Film Festival. Stick around for that coming up on the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. 
What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. It's spring, and with the weather changing and so many great things coming up like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour, I definitely need a fresh spring wardrobe for every occasion. This spring, I'm looking for that perfect flowy spring dress for Mother's Day, as well as replacing my everyday basics. That's what I love about JCPenney. They have so many stylish and comfortable options that I always find just what I'm looking for there. Spring is a feel-good season and comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. The fashion at JCPenney is the same way. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with styles that gets you, something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes, and Stafford and Mutual Weave for him, style and comfort for all, even big and tall, plus even more for the whole family like Levi's and Exertion. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. Snag a job is where America goes to hire, with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. So we talked some zero RB. Now we're talking some late round guys that could maybe sneakily help you win a league. Talking about weeks or around weeks rounds, 11 through 15 guys, maybe uh, you know, sort of dart throw, but educated dart throw, I guess, if you will. Uh, round 11. I mean, this guy was a league winner last year for a lot of people. So maybe he doubles up this year. Who knows? Yeah. Why not run it back with Jarek McKinnon here? And uh, I, I know. Like last year, career high was 11.6 points per game. That was still RB26 in the per game. But in the fantasy, in the actual playoffs, if you use that for fantasy purposes, he would have averaged 23 fantasy points per game. He set the record for most consecutive games with a receiving touchdown by a running back with at six. Um, And they liked using him 
near the goal line more than Pacheco last year. And I know some people might be like, why? Pacheco's that big physical back that you can give the ball. It makes it harder to stop their offense because you don't know if they're going to hand the ball off to McKinnon and let him run up the middle or if they're going to pass the ball and he could beat you as a receiver. It's why guys like Austin Eckler score so many touchdowns near the goal line because it's just harder for defenses to predict what you're going to do. And the Chiefs didn't really add anything. They lost pieces, but they didn't really add anything, especially into that backfield. And and if anything, the production that CEH was taking earlier last year, because remember, he was a top five running back for the first month of the season yep. because of receiving touchdowns alone. If that all goes to Jarek McKinnon now, which is possible, he could be even better than he was last year. But even if they do the thing where like they ease him in early on in the year because they don't want to give him too much work and then set him free in the fantasy playoffs... Like he could win you a championship. All you have to do is get there, and he may be the piece that could push you over the top. It's just it's wild to think how he sort of came out of nowhere late last season, took over that backfield, and and ended up just helping a whole lot of people win. It's it's funny too because you look, Ceh uh, is still there, but he's so much of an afterthought in fantasy now. <laughs> no one no one's drafting. him. I read all. something by a beat writer yesterday that was like, yeah, he was inactive for the Super Bowl, but he played the role of Devonta. Devonta Smith. Smith. I saw that. <laughs> They were like, so he still contributed. I was like, I'm sure he's very happy about that. Also, no. He's like, nothing like Devonta Smith. He's nothing Smith. like Devonta Smith. <laughs> like, other than he just stood out there and ran a couple of routes, I'm sure. Like, there's nothing uh, similar there. <laughs> so, my round 11 league winner, I'm sure I picked for similar reasons as you picked your round 12 league winner. So, it feels like <laughs> we might as well just combine that. For yep. me, round 11, I'm looking at Jamal Williams. Uh, spoiler alert, in round 12, Florio's got Kendra Miller. Uh, so let's just put this out here, right? Alvin Kamara's going to miss time. Yeah. That's what it yeah, is. That's I, I like your pick better. I, I like Jamal Williams better than Miller because I think whether Kamara's out, out there or not, Jamal Williams is going to have a role. I think Miller's role greatly depends on if – Kamara's out there or not, but I, I could see him playing the Kamara role while Kamara is sidelined. I think so, and I, I do like Kendra Miller. He's a guy that I have as kind of a, especially a rookie sleeper uh, this year because I think he gets opportunities early. But I'm looking at the goal line carries for the Saints last year. Um, nine opportunities. Three of them went to Kamara. The rest were split between Latavius Murray, Taysom Hill, Andy Dalton, and Mark Ingram. Um, Hill is still there. Murray's gone. Ingram is gone. Dalton is gone. Uh, so I, I could see a lot of those opportunities going toward Jamal Williams this year. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that he's going to have another, what, 17, 18 touchdown season like he did last season. But I do think he gets a lot of that short yardage, that goal line work. And as you mentioned, even when Kamara comes back, uh, he's still going to get those opportunities. They're not going to just suddenly phase him out of the offense. He's got a role that's pretty much set all year long. And that touchdown upside, the yardage may not blow you away, but the touchdown upside, I think, is there significantly. Um, so, yeah, so that was our round 11. Round 12, you mentioned Kendra Miller. Uh, I like Nico Collins in the like 12th round too. because he has the path to being Houston's number one wide receiver. And I think the targets are going to be there for him. It's him and it's Dalton Schultz. Those are the two guys getting targets uh, in the Houston offense this year primarily. They're going to be playing from behind. They're going to be losing games. They're going to be throwing the ball a lot. And Collins has flashed a little bit of ability as well. I think overall, fantasy-wise, you're talking maybe a wide receiver three. But 
you know, to get a guy who potentially could lead his team in targets and get him in the 12th round, that seems like a really nice value to me. He was my pick his rookie year to lead that team in receiving touchdowns. It didn't happen, but I still, like, going into this year, I'm like, yeah, I know he hasn't scored a whole lot of touchdowns in his career. I still think he should be the favorite to lead this team in receiving touchdowns. No, I think I think that's very fair. I think, like, again, like I said, it's him. It's Dalton Schultz. After that, you know, I don't think there are any other Texans pass catchers that I'm, I'm interested in touching uh, this year. I have a lot of Dalton Schultz in my early drafts. Do you really? Just because it's like you get him as your second tight end yeah. in double-digit rounds. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's that's probably fair. Uh, speaking of tight ends, you have one, a young one in round thirteen that you like. Yeah, we we dove into Greg Dolchich, uh last week on this show, and I was saying that like I looked at uh, Sean Payton's success with tight ends, and it does get a little overblown because the Jimmy Graham numbers just really heavily tilt the scale. But like he had wide receiver one, uh, tight end one seasons out of Jared Cook and Ben Watson, and like the ghost of Ben Watson, and that was <laughs> late career Ben Watson. So that is encouraging, and and Dolchik averaged more like yards per route as a rookie than like the average Saints tight end did under Payton. So I do think there's potential here. Um, they're talking about like making him like the yak guy in this offense, mm-hmm. which I think uh could be really good for his fantasy value and you're talking about getting him in the in round 13 he's always my second tight end usually the, it's like tight end 15 or so he's going so i just think at that point you're looking at the weakest position in the game and this is someone that has the upside to blossom i'm not going to tell you he's going to be like uh travis kelsey or anything like that <laughs> right. but if he blossoms into a tight end that you can trust and start every single week that is huge for fantasy purposes. absolutely huge for fantasy and again he came in I mean, he missed the first few games because of an injury at the start of the season. But once he got on the field, he immediately stepped into a pretty nice role there in Denver. Obviously, things have changed over with Sean Payton there now. As you mentioned, Payton able to, to do some good things with tight ends. Uh, if this whole offense takes a step forward, I think Dulcich moves along with it. And where you're getting him, I mean, you talked about taking Dalton Schultz as a second tight end. Greg Dulcich is probably going to be your second tight end, especially in, in best ball situations. Um, I, I absolutely like that. For me, I like Tank Bigsby. Uh, I know people love Travis Etienne, and I get it. But I also think a couple years into his career, we're seeing that Etienne is maybe different than what we thought when he was first drafted. First of all, he is not involved in the passing game at all uh, in in Jacksonville. So that sort of works against him. I think I think you could see Bigsby sort of work uh, – taking some of that opportunity there. I also just think he's a guy who can kind of be more of a bruising uh, bruising back for uh, this Jaguars offense. I just don't see them turning everything completely over to ETN. We saw at the start of last year, they really wanted to use two running backs with ETN and James Robinson. After those first three weeks, Robinson fell off a cliff. And right now he's you know trying to find himself a job somewhere. I think you're going to see that situation play out again this year where it's going to be an ETN Bigsby backfield and to get him this late, especially you're talking best ball, but even in, I think in redrafts, there's an opportunity for him to carve out a nice little path in a Jacksonville offense that is shockingly loaded (laughs) right now for fantasy at least. Yeah. And I know we don't like to project injuries or anything like that but he's one injury away from being the starting running back on a really good offense you know and that is sort of when i when i look at these later round guys if i'm taking running backs that's sort of the calculus for me is that you know not that you're wishing it on anybody but just sort of 
understanding running backs get hurt. It happens. And so, you know, you have guys that are potentially, you know, one step away from getting a, a big opportunity there. Uh, round 14, who you got? It might be crazy to say, but he might be my most drafted player in my early drafts because he is absolutely free. Uh, Jalen Hyatt. Hmm. Um, and it's just me. Ta- and I like him more in best ball and all my early drafts are best ball, which is a big reason why I have him. But look at the Giants hour lad. Uh, they're, they're, uh, that's the website I was typing. Our lads, to, yeah. <laughs> to pull up their depth chart. But look at their depth chart mm-hmm. at, at receiver, right? Like Isaiah Hodgins, solid receiver. Darius Slayton, we know what he is. And then everyone else on this team, Paris Campbell, Wondell Robinson, Sterling Shepard, Jamison Crowder, they're all slot guys. Mm-hmm. You know who can play in the slot and out wide? Jalen Hyatt. You know who's the fastest uh, on this team and the most explosive receiver, in my opinion? Jalen Hyatt. He gives them exactly what this offense needed. Uh, and, and coming into the draft, I was like, the, the Giants really need to add perimeter speed. And I thought Hyatt was a great fit. And then I, I thought in the second round they would take him. He fell to the third round. But you, I, I trust Brian Dable. And I think the Giants look back at last year and they're like, we were by far the least productive team on deep throws. So we need to incorporate that into the offense to help open up stuff near the line of scrimmage. Jalen Hyatt is their answer to do that. I think there'll be up weeks and down weeks, which is why I like him better in best ball. But he is explosive and it just takes one long catcher and have a nice week. It's funny, too, because I've been sort of picking and choosing. I've, I've drafted Hyatt in a few spots. I've also taken a few shots at Wandale Robinson just because I think he's a guy who, I don't know, maybe he turned out to be a gadget player, but it feels like they sort of want... It didn't work with Kadarius Tony, right? No. So they're going to try it again with Wandale <laughs> Robinson. That's kind of what it feels like. So I've taken some shots at both both him and Hyatt. Uh, also, I've also taken a few shots at, at uh, Daniel Jones as like a second or third quarterback in best ball, uh, best ball drafts. I like Tyler Algier. Um, kind of for the same reason I talked about with Tank Bigsby. We saw what Algier was able to do last year as the primary running back in Atlanta. I understand he's going to be behind Bijan Robinson, but this is going to still be a very run-heavy offense. There are going to be some opportunities, albeit fewer for Algier. But again, there's a path for him to get a whole lot more work, and I don't see him being phased out. He had a thousand yards last year. I just don't see all of a sudden the Falcons deciding that they're just going to park him exclusively on the bench and let Bijan be the guy. So I still think he gets some touches. I still think he gets some opportunities and. If for whatever reason Bijan can't go, um, then Tyler Algier steps into a big, big like workload that in Atlanta. Yeah, uh, and then round fifteen, wrapping it up. I loved your round. I love your round fifteen pick because it's a guy that I've been talking about for a few weeks now. The, the Gus Bus. I take him with get on like, board. One of my last round picks in every single best ball I'm in because I understand last year only 87 carries, small sample size. He still averaged five yards per carry, which is what he has done pretty much every single year of his career. Um, he had the seventh highest rate um, amongst running backs of runs that went for at least 10 yards. And I know he's behind J.K. Dobbins and everyone loves J.K. Dobbins. But last year, Dobbins was better. Uh, Edwards was better in yards after contact runs reaching 15 plus miles per hour, uh, missed tackles forced. And he was he had less runs that were stuffed at the line of scrimmage. So to me, I don't think the gap is that wide between Dobbins and Edwards yet. You have to pay like a fourth round pick to get Dobbins and Gus Edwards is an absolute afterthought. And that's not even factoring in the, in, in the part that JK Dobbins can't stay on the field. Um, so he like, there, it's very possible that we're going to get weeks, if not many weeks where Gus Edwards is the RB one on this team. I just, I have not understood that at all. Right. Uh, that you look at them in terms of any metric 
And the two of them are so similar, mm -hmm. <laughs> Edwards and Dobbins, but the ADP gap is so wide. And I keep looking back at it and I keep Googling Gus Edwards. Like, I'm like, is there, there's got to be a news story I'm missing, right? Like, I'm, there's something that I'm not seeing or something that I forgot about because I can't explain that huge gap between the two of them. And I'm not finding anything. And I think, uh, was it? Was it Laquan that said he didn't really want any? Maybe it was you or Laquan that said he didn't want anybody in the Ravens' backfield. Oh, no, I'm all – I think it was Laquan because yeah. I'm all about Gus Edwards. Um, he's basically like, I don't want either guy. He's like, but at ADP, I'll take Gus Edwards. And I understand that. I just – I don't understand the gap. I can't figure that one out. I mean, like, J.K. Dobbins in the last two years has played eight games. Like, the fact that we're invested in all of these other backup running backs, but the one that is proven that he can get the job done <laughs> is the on a team that I know is going to pass more, but it's still a run-heavy team. So yeah. is Lamar Jackson. Like, to me, it's it's, it's yeah. stealing, it feels I, like. I, I don't get it. Uh, my round 15 guy, Sam Laporta. And he's a guy that I have a lot of exposure to early I in like the draft it. season. Um, again, this is we're talking kind of as a second or third tight end, depending on how I'm drafting here. But we saw the Lions last year support multiple pass catchers. Uh, this year, you know, there's a chance that the offense maybe is even more explosive than it was last year. We know what Amon Ross St. Brown can do. We know what we're expecting out of Jamison Williams. Uh, I think Jameer Gibbs is going to catch quite a few passes. But you go and you look at that tight end depth chart in Detroit, it is barren i mean there is nobody there that you think is going to step in and get a whole lot of targets i mean brock wright james mitchell saying shane zilstra Derek deese jr none of these names uh, are jumping out at you as guys who could get a lot of opportunities so i think laporte is a guy that you're going to see and look we've talked about this plenty after the first say eight tight ends or so you can pretty much pick names out of a hat so i think there will be weeks where laporta could be a fringe tight end one. He could get you that sort of opportunity in a Detroit offense that's going to move the ball and going to score. Um, you know, I know we like the, the rookie tight ends. I know we like Dalton Kincaid. Uh, Michael Mayer is another name that's very popular. Don't forget Sam Laporta because I think he's going to get some opportunities this I'm year. I'm with you. I, I, I think the Lions rookies, like even Jameer Gibbs, I feel like is a, is a little bit overlooked right now yeah I, I definitely agree with that completely so uh those are our late round league winners draft with care draft with caution and uh i'm sure this will change as we get uh, another month or two into the summer time now for florio's film festival in this week's selection from Dusk Till Dawn, uh, released January 19th, 1996, which, side note, when movies come out in January, that's usually the movie studios being like, we don't really know where to put this. Uh, <laughs> it's not good enough to be a summer tent pole. We're just sort of dumping it here in January, and hopefully people will just go see it because they're bored. Uh, you know, it's not a holiday movie. We can't put it there. This is definitely not a holiday film. <laughs> um, Feels like it would do well in October. Probably would do well in October, I would think. Uh, budget of $19 million, only grossed $25 million, so really just barely broke even. I think this is the lowest grossing film we have done so far. That's this surprising summer. to me because it's a movie that I didn't know a whole lot about. Mm -hmm. I, I'll tell you, I did not know much about the second half of the movie at <laughs> all. Um but I always hear it mentioned and talked about and mm -hmm. stuff, so I thought it would have done a lot better. I think it definitely has cult status in part because of one i mean it, it was you know, quentin tarantino robert rodriguez collaboration and they have kind of a cult following especially George robert Clooney. rodriguez uh and i think because of the the subject matter which i guess leads me to 
<laughs> yeah, you uh, you learned that the first half of the movie and the second half of the movie don't necessarily match. It, I've never watched a movie where the if you split it in half, you would not think they were the same movie. <laughs> and that is this movie. Um, uh, I guess I can do the synopsis real quick. Two criminals and their hostages unknowingly seek temporary refuge in a truck stop populated by vampires with chaotic results. So first... The opening scene is the most Quentin Tarantino thing ever. Mm-hmm. Like when uh, the store clerk yeah. is on fire and shoot, freaking out. I'm mm. like, all right, this is class. And then he lands on the popcorn and all the kernels start popping. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'm in for a Quentin Tarantino movie. And, and I like him, so I, I was very much down. And the first hour, I was very invested. <laughs> okay. Like I was like, do they get to Mexico? H- how are they going to make it till the morning? What's going to happen to the, the hostages? Um. Quentin Tarantino's character, very, very unlikable. Very unlikable, which I thought, part of me was just like, do they put him in a situation with vampires because they think vampires are more unlikable? And I'm like, no, he's still a predator and a creep. And like, yeah. I don't feel bad at all for what happens to no, him. No, no. Like, he's worse than the vampires. <laughs> he's worse would, than the vampires. I would say. Yes. Um, the vampires are mostly minding their own business. You yeah, know? yeah. They, they're just, they just want to serve bikers and truck drivers. Like, that's what they're there to do. Um, so once they get through Mexico, I'm like, Okay, this is uh there's still a lot of movie left. <laughs> it's like what happens so now? What's, what's gonna happen? And then they're at this bar and I'm like, okay, and all of a sudden Danny Trejo then becomes a vampire. Yep. And I was just like, what is going on? <laughs> and like they just to me that like up until then, I thought it was a classic like I really into it. The second half of the movie lost me a little bit, not only because <laughs> like they're vampires and you don't see it coming. George Clooney was entirely too calm for someone who is getting attacked by vet. He's first of all, they're like, what is this? And he's like, well, clearly they're vampires. Like immediately he knows. So that I was like, wow, he he's been in this situation before. It seems I also was surprised that not all of them made it out. I thought, I thought the hostages for sure were all making it out. So I hadn't seen this movie in a while. I'd seen it a few times, but it had been a while. And I forgot that really very few of them, almost almost none of them. The make sun it out. got it bad. Yeah, uh, very that, that almost none of them make it out of there. I really did think that the family mostly made it out. I forgot that they don't <laughs> at all. I, I also loved how quickly some of them turned. And how long others of them Harvey had Harvey Keitel before. waited a long time before he turned. The father, he gets bit, yeah. and he goes a long time. But meanwhile, you know, the character named Sex Machine, it didn't take him very long to turn <laughs> into a vampire. He turns immediately. Pretty much immediately he turns but into I a I love vampire. that, like, because I saw that. That happens first, and I'm yes. like, okay, the father gets bit. He's about to turn. And then mm-hmm. he has so much time that they devolve a whole pl- He's like, I got an hour. I'm like, how, <laughs> how do you know this? You've never experienced this before in your life. Um, he also said he didn't believe in vampires, but somehow he knew that he had an hour <laughs> before he turned both of them were like i don't believe in vampires but we're dealing with them now well clearly in your world they're real they're they're eating you as we speak i also loved uh when george clooney um is like uh what's his name in the seth seth he's like my he is not a vampire he's still my brother and it's like no he's clearly he's turned clearly right now. they, they like, put the makeup on him and he's got weird teeth like the whole thing my my unanswered question there's not many but how come when they eventually shoot I guess, well, it's her brother, the son. Mm-hmm. Why do all of them explode? Yeah, I don't know. Other than it just <laughs> was a cool visual. Yeah. Because I, I was like, 
how are they going to get out of this? They're clearly outnumbered. And then they all just blow up. And yeah. I was like, oh, well, that's just convenient. Yeah, that was just that was a convenient, <laughs> really cool visual. But there was no other explanation for, this, for why. This felt like to me like they wanted to the first half of the movie was like, let's make an actual crime movie where they're mm-hmm. on the run and if you could have kept that movie going without the vampires mm-hmm. i would have watched two hours <laughs> of just that um the second half of the movie felt like quentin tarantino just wanted to like rage on something and he was like all right let's make them vampires let's make them vampires a uh, couple of things green blood was used for the vampires to get the movie past the censors i'm sure if they made it look like actual blood it probably would have been uh a little much a little Is much it not rated r I think I'm pretty sure it's rated R. Um, there are a lot of adult themes. Yeah, <laughs> it film. has to. Oh, wait. The, the opening scene when they see the bar alone has mm-hmm. to make it R. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I, I'm pretty sure it's an R rated film. But I think in terms of like, you know, there's only so much blood I think censors will allow. But you make it green, then it's it's not quite the same. I did not know that. Um, Sama Hayek has a real fear of snakes. Always refused to be near them. When she read the script, she knew her phobia would prevent her from taking the part. I guess I should point out that she dances with a like a python uh, uh, early in the film. Not only does she dance with it, it slithers like it's up her face and through her hair. Through her I hair. was freaked out watching it. Uh, so when she read the script, she knew her phobia would prevent her from taking the part. Robert Rodriguez conned her into thinking that Madonna was ready to nab the part instead. So Hayek spent two months with therapists to overcome her fear. There you go. That's all you need. Do you think she's into snakes now? I don't think she's into snakes. I think she just <laughs> figured out how to how to separate herself uh, from her fear for uh, you know a few weeks to get that done. Um, Quentin Tarantino pitched this to John Travolta at the same time he was preparing to do Pulp Fiction. Uh, he said he didn't want to work on a vampire movie, so he did Pulp Fiction instead. Got nominated for Best Actor for doing that. So I, I think that, he that was a good career choice. choice. Yeah, it's a good career choice for him. Um, Tarantino was paid fifteen hundred dollars to write the script. Uh, George Clooney was paid two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to be in the movie, which seems like a bargain for a guy yeah. like George Clooney. I was going to ask you, was he George Clooney at that time? He had or? done well. He had done ER, which sort of launched oh, him. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, you know, he was he was he was on his way doing big things at that point. Was he Batman movie. at this point already? He might have been Batman by by this point. Um, I'll Google that. Yeah. So he he might have been also and and this uh, that was ninety seven. Batman came out. Oh, so he hadn't been. All right. Uh, it was George Clooney's idea for Seth to have a tattoo. Having seen the movie Once We're Warriors. And I bring this up because I got an email uh, from a listener who is in New Zealand, I believe. Yeah, he's in New Zealand. Uh, is it Bryn or Brian? I apologize for, for screwing it up. But he recommended that I watch Once We're Warriors. It stars Tamara Morrison, who uh, a Star Wars geeks know as Boba Fett. Uh, I did watch the trailer for it, by the way. Um Probably not a movie we're going to do on this show. It seems very dramatic and not fitting with the theme of it. But it does seem like it'd be a really interesting sort of dramatic film to watch. So uh, thank you for the suggestion. I will put it on my list of things to watch uh, at some point in the future. Um, anyway, the whole point being that uh, George Clooney had just watched that movie once for <laughs> Warriors. And he decided. The tattoo is very aggressive. It's very aggressive. Like it, it comes up his entire arm and yeah. his neck. Uh, through like his neck. Yeah. Um, so that was that was why he came up with uh, with that. So. All that being said, <laughs> and realizing what the second half of the movie is versus the first, would you willingly watch this again? Um, yeah, I think so. Like, it would have to be like, oh, there's not a lot on TV, but from dusk till dawn is on. I, I also would probably watch more likely to watch the first half again. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Nicolette walked in yesterday while like while the transition was happening, mm-hmm. and she's like, "What are you watching?" And I was like, "I promise you, the movie had zero vampires." Up <laughs> it was a normal crime. She's like, "No way!" I'm like, "Yeah, they're just they're two brothers on the run, and they're trying they to make it to Mexico." They the bank, and they're on the yeah, run. They, they've killed a bunch of people. They're on the run. It's very believable, and then it all changes. Um, but we've now watched ten movies. Okay, I put this one seventh in the rankings. Okay. Ahead of Desperado, Face Off, and The Last Action Hero. Okay, that that seems fair. But behind all the rest, that, so. that's fair. Uh, you know, a, a couple of times I have tried to make make tortured uh, connections from movies to the NFL. This one actually has a really easy, obvious connection. Uh, the I think the character's name is Frost, even though they never say it out loud in the movie. He's the guy who smokes the cigars. Had the whole oh, story about okay. Vietnam. Uh, that character is played by Fred Williamson who was a defensive back for oh, the wow. Steelers, Raiders, and Chiefs uh, back in the 60s. Played from 1960 to 1967. Uh, made three Pro Bowl appearances. Um, yeah, actually had uh, had eight interceptions in one season for the Raiders back in wow. uh, 1962. Fred mm-hmm. the Hammer Williamson, who uh, after he quit playing football, decided to become an actor. So there is another character who I felt like was just way too calm with everything going on around them. Like he <laughs> at one point he lights his uh, the match mm. and he's just talking and I'm like that whole thing. And like he just lighting his cigar and there's like vampires going all around <laughs> him. I'm like, how are you calm with it right now? <laughs> because, you know, he had to deal with the, the Raiders and the Chiefs <laughs> and the Steelers back in the 70- 60s and 70s. So I guess after that, everything is is kosher at that point. Um. Next week, Florio is off. We'll have uh, Laquan Jones sitting in for us, sitting in with us. So I will tell you in advance, uh, because our next show that we do together will be our show just before Independence Day. So our next film selection will be Independence Day, which you've never seen Independence Day. Nope. And I don't know if you remember when uh, I, I you, you came over a couple of weeks ago mm. and we were talking and stuff, and I was like... Uh, I always get that, and um, what's the Bruce Willis? Armageddon. Armageddon. I get those two confused, and I got roasted for saying yeah, that. Yeah, they're, they're very, very different. So we're going to watch Independence Day. You, got, you have two weeks to watch it because you're going to be gone next week, so we'll watch it just ahead of 4th of July. We may have to get Patrick Claybot on the show because okay. he – I know that that is his yearly family tradition around the 4th of July is to watch Independence Day, and he is as learned about that film as anybody in this building. If Patrick's coming on, we might have to do a two-for-one, and I'll just watch Snakes on a Plane that week as well. Oh, absolutely. Because I know that's not 90s, but... It's all right, though, but Snakes (laughs) on a Plane, again, that is another Patrick Claybon classic, so maybe we'll reach out to him in advance. We'll get him to come on the show. We can talk ID4. We can talk Snakes on a Plane. It could be a whole thing. Maybe we don't even talk fantasy football that week. Maybe we just do that. I think, I mean, the amount of tweets that we get about the movies, I think people would be okay with that. That's fine. You know what? Hey, by the way, (laughs) NFL Plus is a thing. To the people who run NFL Plus, just give us a movie show. And we'll try to tie it into football as much as possible, but we'll just talk movies. You can put that on NFL Plus. But there is an the endless paywall. amount of movies I have yet to watch. So many movies that he hasn't <laughs> watched. We could do a whole show about this. In the meantime, I think this is a good spot to end this edition of the show. That'll do it for this edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. Stay happy, safe, and healthy. Do good and live well. Enjoy whatever movies you watch, and we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in Coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real Steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. Are you looking to build this year? If so, there is no better time than right now to start planning and to get your spot on the construction schedule. If you need a garage, a stall barn, a storage for vehicles, RV, boat, collectibles, or even a, a shop for your farm, hobbies, or car restoration projects, visit mortonbuildings.com and start your construction process with superior materials craftsmanship best in class warranty morton buildings are made to last for generations at morton the difference is in the details from their cutting edge innovations to their craftsmen in the field they are dedicated to surpassing expectations their legacy of excellence spans more than 120 years and morton buildings is 100% employee-owned with more than a quarter million satisfied customers. That means they're the industry leader you can trust. When you choose Morton, you'll experience quality at every step of the building process, starting before the walls even go up. Visit mortonbuildings.com to get started today. 